Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Camp has finished for the day. I hope that you've looked at the reports that Rohan has put out, that I've put out. Maybe you haven't been paying attention at all. Either way, this is the show where we give you the full breakdown of what happened, how it went down, what to look for tomorrow, and we're going to do it all next. Welcome back to Last Second Sports, where we are giving you our take down to the last second. And as I said, I've got my guy, Rohan, with me, who is also at practice today. Rohan, how you doing, man? Hey, man, it's been a it's been a fun day. You know, uh, we're talking some training camp. Jesse and I have been out there now for the past two days. And today was an exciting day, probably the most exciting day of camp that we've seen so far. A lot involved and glad to talk uh, here with you about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see you all in the chat. Appreciate you. I know that we were a few minutes late here. Uh, we This is the plan. We're going to do it for sure in person. The hope is, is that his desk and camera can catch us together. So it'll be like podcast style. Um, otherwise, we might have to figure out something different. It might be weird to stream in the same house in different rooms. So we're going to try to avoid that. But we oh, definitely will. I tomorrow. hope that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or excuse me, on Wednesday we will. But wanted to shout out everybody in the chat. All right, let's let's get into it, man. So before we get into quarterbacks, I know that's what everybody's here for, but I like to, it's like a Zoom call at work, you know, where you wait a few minutes to make sure that everybody that needs to join has joined. And so you make small chat in the beginning. That's what we're going to do, except for it's about camp and who stood out. So who stood out to you that was not a quarterback today? Uh, give me all the names who stood out for you good, and then we can get into the the bad for the day or not so good, however you want to frame it. Yeah, so, so far, I mean, like we haven't seen too much extra work, right? Outside of the regular team drills, you see 11 on 11s. We saw a little bit of red zone yesterday, but today was a bit different. We saw one-on-ones between 
the skill position players and defensive backs and linebackers. And then we also saw one-on-ones between offensive and defensive line. And Jesse and I, I know we were both locked in on that offensive and defensive line area. And so specifically on the one-on-ones, places that I got, I mean, players that I got to point out that also translated a bit to the team drills as well, Javon Kinlaw. He's been a standout to me on a few days now in training camp. He got four reps. They. This is the first time I've seen Javon Kinlaw in one-on-one reps because he did not practice in one-on-one reps last year when they were easing him back in. So it was a it was a nice sight to see Javon Kinlaw out there. And Javon Kinlaw continues to impress. He won in a, a variety of different ways. Had a bull rush for a win. He won with a, a really nice sidestep. Sidestep past the defender um, and was able to get to the quarterback. So he's winning with a variety of speed and power. And it seems like he also has a level of pass rushing moves to him. Again, the only thing that truly matters with Kinlaw is how does that translate on the field and can he remain healthy? But it's a very good start to Javon Kinlaw uh, and uh, you know his training camp because he's stood out for me a few days last week. And now on day one of pads, this is where really Kinlaw's uh, true value comes out. And it was clearly there on day one. Yeah, let me well, let me talk about Kinlaw for a second. And I agree with you. <laughs> Kinlaw, shout out to Kinlaw, by the way, because today he came out with the Stunna Shades. Only one wearing sunglasses during drills before they put on helmets. You got to love that. Definitely feeling confident. I absolutely loved it. And he's day one. Obviously, today they didn't. They today was the first day of one on ones. Yesterday, they didn't do any one on ones. There was no pads, but he is a massive human being. And you've got a lot of big people on the field. Obviously, these are football players, and the 49ers seem to have one of the most physically imposing teams year in and year out. So when there's one person that stands out against everybody else as being gigantic, you take note. And Kinlaw is absolutely that guy for sure. And so the fact that he's able to practice almost pretty much every day, it sounds like, is a win for him. The fact that he's able to get in these one-on-one drills for the first time is a win for him. This is the thing about Kinlaw. I think the talent's always been there. Coming out in the draft, everybody knew that he was talented. Not a lot of people knew about the knee injury or how serious it was. That has definitely plagued him. I don't know if it will lead to a long career here in San Francisco. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But what I can say is he's had some unfortunate events, events very much the way that we talk about Trey Lance in the fact that he's had to get better while playing, though. He hasn't had right. training camps to get better. He's had to get better while actually playing football. And when you're in the middle of the games, that's not when you learn and get better. You need all of the training camp, all of the practices you can get to refine your skills. And then when you hit the field, of course, you can make those micro improvements and watch film. But if you're trying to do everything while playing and doing it through injury, it's really hard to do. I hope Jen, Javon Kinlaw stays healthy. He looks very explosive, very strong. Like I said, just completely looks the part of a football player. He is massive. 100%. Who's one guy you got on your list? Oh, it ha- it had to be. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go this route. Uh, I-, I was going to go someone else, and I know that we're both going to have him, but I'm going to go McKivitz because yeah. I know a lot of people want to hear about Colton McKivitz, and I know a lot of people are worried about that right tackle position in particular when it comes to the offensive line. Losing Mike McGlinchey, I know that the thought is, oh, they're going to take a step back because McKivitz is there. I've always said that to me, 
I think the offensive line, even if McKivitz isn't as good as McGlinchey, can improve because you've got three players on the interior that are in their second year. I think it stands to reason that all three of them could take a step forward. Thus, the offensive line can improve, even if McKivitz is a slight downgrade. That being said, McKivitz, to me, was phenomenal during the one-on-ones. Nobody was getting around him. He anchored well, showed to be very physically strong. I was impressed with McKivitz, and I know that that is something that people have a lot of questions about. And today really was the first day that you could analyze offensive and defensive line in pads, and I was very happy to be there for it. And definitely McKivitz was a standout for me. McKivitz was my guy too. I mean, that was the one guy where we pointed to the offensive line. Remember, guys, just for context, one-on-ones usually favors the defensive line. It's a little tougher uh, when it goes to five-on-five. Then, obviously, the offensive line uh, it evens out a little bit. So it's tougher for an offensive lineman to uh, stand out. And I'm not trying to say that to justify, you know, uh, towards an offensive lineman. But McKivitz looked good. Had three reps that I charted in, one all three. One, uh, he got the better of Drake Jackson on the play, was able to hold firm and uh, not let Jackson buy him, and then beat Kerry Hyder twice, who has been rotating in with the first-team defensive line at times at the other defensive end spot opposite of Drake Jackson. So had three good reps. Again, right, a lot of people are going to question about how is that going to translate in games. And another part of it is how is he going to play in the run game because that was the part that McGlinchey really gave the 49ers when he was with the team. So a lot of these questions will continue to be answered, especially as we catch him more and more in 11-on-11s and move the ball and things like that. But it was a good start to the first true day where you could uh, grade offensive linemen. And Colton McKivitz, surprisingly, on a day without Trent Williams, arguably look like the best offensive lineman in one-on-ones that is yeah absolutely who else you got i've got an interesting one this is one that really popped up not necessarily in one-on-ones but throughout the day i've got to give one to ray ray mcleod now receivers overall we haven't you know we've focused a lot on the top receivers brandon Ayuk has been a standout for a good portion of the day something i noticed today though we didn't see as many reps where the ones were playing with the twos and the threes. They gave the opportunities to the twos and the threes, which is why you saw names like Ronnie Bell stand out, why you see names like Ray Ray McLeod stand out. And McLeod had a uh, had a solid day, not necessarily the strongest start. He didn't really get targeted overall a lot in the, uh, in the beginning, but caught a strike from Sam Darnold for about 20 yards on an inbreaker, made a really nice catch. It was a good ball, high placed for uh, Ray Ray McLeod. McLeod made a nice catch on that play, then followed that up later on with uh, some connections from Trey Lance, caught one over the middle for five yards, and then a nice 15 to 20 yard inbreaker from Trey Lance. It was a tight window, and it was a good throw and catch from Ray Ray McLeod and Trey Lance. So three catches on the day for Ray Ray McLeod, a guy who, you know, has been a little quieter because you've seen so much from the first team guys, and it's good to see some reaffirmation as to how, uh, you know, how McLeod fits into this team. A nice day for him on the day he was featured more in the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I have two more. Uh, I'll go one and then you might say the other one. I'm I'm hoping that you say this last one because we both looked at each other like this is a surprise. So I'll save that one for you. But I got to go Conley. Conley yeah. to me yeah. seems like he's on his way to carving out a potential spot on this team. I mean, if nothing else, he's doing everything he can to earn a spot. Yesterday, he stood out with Trey Lance. Today, again, he caught multiple passes that were were downfield. Very, very good. I just Conley is getting open repeatedly. He is he is open very... In, in fact, 
You know what's funny about Conley is yesterday I noticed a couple people had reported that Trey Lance completed a pass to Brandon Ayuk. It was not Brandon Ayuk. It was Conley. Conley. Conley looks so good that people thought it was Brandon Ayuk. So, yes, Conley is, to me, doing the best he can to carve out a spot in this team very, very early on still. But right now, he looks really good to me. I agree. I mean, Conley was the beneficiary of one of Trey Lance's best throws of the day. It was about a 20-yard play where Lance threw it before Conley even got out of his break. A great uh, anticipation play, and that that connection has uh, been there a little bit now in camp. Conley was able to make a nice play. He's been the beneficiary now of a couple of big plays and uh, a good start for him. But the final guy who I know you're going to say, a guy who I said last year as one of those guys who was just like, I'm looking at him, I'm like, this is the guy who's really standing out in one-on-ones. Alex motherfreaking Barrett, man. Are you kidding me? Alex Barrett is a guy who stands out in one-on-ones. Yep. He does not look like he should win a lot of these one-on-one reps. You put him on that field, though, and Alex Barrett shines. As a result of him winning a couple of one-on-one reps today, he was there at times with the first-team defense and with the second team. He was rotated in a little bit more than expected. But Alex Barrett, was a he had a, he had a good, good day today. If I'm looking at my board, he won one rep. Uh, let's see, one rep against Aaron Banks, which was a little impressive. He won one rep against number uh, 60, who I believe is Corey Luciano. And then he won a third rep against Jalen Moore, while sliding on the outside, and a fourth rep on the inside against Nick Zakel. So really one from all facets. He's played on the interior. He's played on the outside. Won four reps on the day. He just wins in one-on-ones, which is you know a little surprising to hear from fans, but he just wins, and that was my last winner of the day. Yeah, and I, I did. That was the one. That was the one I was hoping you would say because he deserves every kudos. He was phenomenal. Looked like in the one-on-ones look like the best defensive lineman, which is crazy to say. You don't expect that. So it it goes to show you a lot of people were really like, hey, the 49ers have money. They got to spend money on on an edge rusher. And it's like, well, not necessarily quite yet. It sounds like they're starting to build some depth out there with Jackson playing extremely well yesterday. Barrett, I guess, you know, can can do a little bit of everything. But yeah, to me, uh, there, there is reasons to be confident in this defensive line as a whole right now. So curious to see how it plays out. I had Drake Jackson. Now you said that Barrett was your last one, so you did not have Drake Jackson. And maybe this is just a little bit of bias because he was so good yesterday. I mean, he was the real standout of practice yeah. all day, you know, yesterday. So, but I thought he had two reps today in the one on ones that were, oof, I mean. Again, the athleticism to me just continues to flash in big, big ways. And his get off is so fast. And when he wins, it's not like he just he he gets by somebody and he and he would get to a quarterback. He's blowing past people where he's getting separation of like a yard and a half, which is really, really hard to do in the NFL. He is absolutely a freak athlete. I had him down as a winner. How come you didn't include him in your winners today? So the reason is I didn't think Trey Chesson had a bad day. I just mm-hmm. didn't think he was amongst the standout group. And the reason is while he had some really good reps, including a phenomenal spin move that he beat Jalen Moore with on the inside where he, you know, he uh, utilized that spin move, something we saw a little bit, uh, you know, last year in his limited reps. I, I thought he was neutralized a couple of times uh, that I charted 
on the one-on-ones as well. I thought there were some where he just struggled to disengage a little bit, you know, and that showcased to me, it was interesting because the strength was my biggest question. The speed is very, very much there. The bend has been there, and that's been really what stood out to me, the combination of those two, because if he can bend under a guy like Trent Williams and get to the quarterback with that speed, that's phenomenal. My question is, can he win with both ways? Can he win with power? And that's the thing that I thought fluctuated to me. He won one mm. rep with power today. The other two that I charted, he was uh, he, he struggled a little bit to disengage and uh, win through with power. That's the main question to me. But by all means, Drake Jackson did not have a bad day. He still had a solid day, just didn't make my standout list. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. Now, before we get to the quarterbacks, again, I know everybody's really here for that. But before we get there... Who are the players that maybe had a little bit of a rougher day that you'd like to see turn it around going forward? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple yesterday, right? We we pointed out Jordan Mason and his fumble issues. Mm-hmm. Today, again, this was a big focus on one-on-ones given today's one-on-one period was, um, you know, the first time we saw players in this, in this type of capacity. And so I've got to look at Spencer Burford first. Um, Spencer Burford's an interesting case. And I'm not saying that this was always, this is the case uh, in fi- uh, five on five. Should you be worried? None of that. But Burford did look a little mishandled. Like he, he, he got handled a little bit in one-on-ones. I think he won one rep, but he got beat in three different reps um, today. Was working against Ark Armstead, so it's a little tougher on some of those reps. But was beaten by Ark Armstead. Um, I had him beaten twice. You know, one was a uh, was an FE one, and then another one was beaten um, from ni- uh, number ninety-six, who I believe is Ty McGill. So beaten, mm-hmm. uh, beaten a couple of times overall on the day. So a tougher day for Spencer Burford. And this is something that I thought you know you might uh, question from last year as well. His pass protection skills, the anchoring specifically, how well, uh, how consistent can that be i'm not saying that this is the end all be all but a down day today for spencer burford absolutely i had burford on there as well i also had cleveland farrell that dude cannot separate from anybody once the lineman got their hands on him he wasn't moving anybody back with power he didn't have a secondary move to go to he couldn't disengage farrell was not impressive at all during the one-on-ones however i will say I believe he's the one that had the strip sack on Purdy. He did. I, I could be mistaken. So I do. I want to shout that out as well, because I think that was obviously, you know, a phenomenal play. So, you know, the reason that I brought it up is not to say that, hey, he was awful today as a whole, but more so that, hey, a player cannot look good in one-on-ones that is, or look good in one-on-ones. And that is not the end all be all. That's just what we're seeing in that moment. And this is the first time we're able to see it. And I think he's a great example of that because he looked really, really bad, about as bad as you could during the one-on-ones. And then when it came time to make a play, he made a play on fourth down to strip sack Brock Purdy. So that was um, that was the way that I saw Farrell. Is there anybody else that was on the list for maybe not so good or yeah, bad? Yeah, so Farrell, Farrell made my list too. And if you're going to talk about another player who, you know, who may make the list, this one's... Uh, I don't know if I should say it because he had a good end of the day, but a guy who, you know, struggled a bit early on and we'll, we'll actually get there right now. Maybe it's a good segue was Brock Purdy, a guy who struggled early on and I'm not going to put him on my not so good list overall, but Brock Purdy did struggle early on. And that was something that caught my eye and probably 
uh, lowers his grade for me when we talk quarterbacks. And so I think that that's a good way to start. want to hear what you had to think about Brock Purdy's performance to start it off, given he was QB1 uh, on the day. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into it in a second. Let me get through these super chats. Otherwise, we get too far behind and it's never going to catch up. So Singlish says, Jesse, what are your thoughts on driving to the Bay Area? Laugh out loud. Don't leave anything in the car. The good thing is, is that we're parking in the stadium parking lot and they have people there all day. So you're good as far as that goes. When I'm at other places, I certainly am not leaving anything in the car. So, uh, yeah, I've I've heard, you know, I know. I knew it was going to be an issue when I was taking the shuttle at the airport to get my rental car. And they said, if you're renting a car today, make sure that you lock your doors and don't leave anything in there. I'm like, oh, that if you're making announcements on the shuttle on the way to the rental car, probably an issue. So, all right. Double B Studio says, what does Grant's house, what's Grant's house aroma like? What? What? That is the most sketch question ever. But I'm going to give you an answer. No, I'm not. I actually aroma. I don't have an answer. <laughs> aroma. Aroma. I actually there's there they have construction going on in their kitchen. So re- the aroma would be dust. That's the aroma. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Uh, Scotty Dippin says, Jesse, that background looks mighty familiar. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm at my house. I really couldn't tell you where it's from. <laughs> uh, Tommy Huxley says, Jesse could play the Joker in the next Batman. Ooh, I don't know if that's a compliment or... You know what? I'm going to take it as a I'll compliment. I'll take it as an insult. I'll take it I'll as ta- an Yeah, of course you will. Yes, of course. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> Jeremiah Smith says, could they start roasting Kinlaw? Uh, roasting? I think he meant rotating. Kinlaw okay. as a right and and defensive tackle. I don't want to see him line up as a edge. I, I think he's too big for that. I think he could be no. maybe in a three, four in the system. Yeah. The 49ers incorporate, especially with the, the value they have with speed. Uh, I think they value his speed on the interior. And that's something that makes a difference because, you know, it's like they like to com- combine that speed and power together. You've got a massive guy in Ark Armstead, a six-seven guy. Having Kinlaw or somebody next to him, you know, where you can incorporate that speed. And also, like, just Kinlaw's fast. But people forget how massive of a human being he is. He's still, like, extremely big. big. You see him. He's probably 6'5", nearly 300. He's, he's still a big, big guy on this team. Yeah, and he's leaned out, no doubt about it. But he's still large. <laughs> it's the best way to that's a scientific all right uh the polo show what's up chris he says i'm glad rohan is co-signing the analysis i wasn't sure i i wasn't sure i would trust jesse alone i'm not sure if his eyes still work with his old age thank you i appreciate it polo polo actually does a killer rohan impression so if that you're interested true. in he's that doppelganger I use he's your doppelganger when I'm, uh, he when i'm overseas <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm actually I'm actually happy that Rohan is here also because I feel like over the last year you being at camp and anybody who tunes into your content, you're very unbiased. Like that's the way that your reporting has come across. I think that you've earned that in the community, and so having you here to co-sign on a day that Lance did so well really is like okay, I need that because if it was like me and Ryan. Everybody be like, yeah, right. You know, so-and-so's reporting. It was just an okay day. I'd be like, okay, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's how we saw it. But it might come across biased because we're the the Trey Lance guys in the community. You know what I mean? So 
I'm happy yeah. you're here yeah. on today specifically. 49ers Daddy says, does Lance have a chance to be the week one starter? I'm still going to say no. I believe no as well. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's not zero chance because technically an injury could happen or maybe Brock looks awful uh, and, and Trey Lance keeps ascending. I don't know, but I would say it's slim to none, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. So Brock Purdy, I'll give you, I'll give you my thoughts on Brock and then I'll give, let you give your thoughts fully on Brock and then I'll let you go first with Trey Lance and, and I'll kind of come back with that. So Sounds good. Brock Purdy today on the surface, nine of 12. Sounds good. Everybody's like, Hey, nine of 12. That's a good day, right? Uh, not so much for me. Um, so nine of 12, he had an interception, three sacks and a fumble is the way that I saw it. Now there was about five plays that could have been sacks. Potentially. I decided to go with three based off of how I saw it. I thought the other couple he got away from and the other three were, were clear sacks to me. So he did complete passes on those sacks. I, I would imagine that some people may include those as, as catches. They were right. all like dump off. So even I guess if you include it, they, they were dump off passes. But he had three throws today, Rohan, that were not good. I mean, there's just no other way around it. He had one, two, I believe. I want to say it was Warner. It was down the left yeah. sideline. I think Warner was in breaking route potentially. And he just one hopped it to him and Warner was open. The throw was there to be made. It was a clean throwing lane from what I saw and the ball just died. It didn't get there. It was only about 10, 12 yards downfield ish. So definitely a throw that should have been made, but it one hopped. Then the next play is when it was, it was actually very similar. Threw it out there again, ball died down on him for whatever reason. Greenlaw jumped in easy interception. Um, and then the third throw that I didn't talk about actually when I made my initial video because it didn't count as a completion or an incompletion, there was a pass interference. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk was covered by Lenore. Deep down the left sideline, Brandon Ayuk was wide open by a good three yards. If Purdy lays it out in front, he's got plenty of room. He scores a touchdown. He underthrows it by, I'd say, three to five yards. Yeah. Lenore is, is there. Ayuk's not able to catch it, but Lenore doesn't turn his head around, so it was a pass interference. Those three throws are are they, they just weren't good. They were the three worst throws of the practice from any of the quarterbacks, and they all came from him. So, but having said that, he also had some good things happen. Obviously, nine and twelve looks good. CMC, this was his best throw of the day to me. Threw it to CMC, oh, yeah. left sideline slash seamish. CMC was open but there was only one place that ball could be placed for cmc to run and eventually get a touchdown cmc did the work afterwards to get the touchdown no doubt about it but it was 20 yards downfield only one spot that ball could be put for it to be yak and he put it right on the money for cmc cmc caught it in a dead stride and was able to weave his way through the defense and score a touchdown so i thought that was a very very good throw and without that throw, I would have been concerned maybe about the arm, you know, I, because the way that I saw it was the two throws down the left. It was like, those were throws that you need to really put everything into it to get there on time without a defender being in the way. And when you one hop one, the other one flutters and gets picked. And then you under throw Brandon Ayuk deep down the left sideline. I've been like, 
I don't know if his arm is good, guys, but then that completion to CMC was like, okay, so the arm strength is there. There's just something else going on. Maybe it's timing, maybe it's whatever. So to me, I would say, you know, if I was grading him, I would give him like maybe a... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A CC plus. I was talking to Eric Crocker uh, and I love the way that he said it. Brock Purdy was cool, but I wasn't like impressed. There was nothing that I walked away with and was like, oh yeah, that dude must watch. That's not the impression that I got from Brock Purdy today. So he, uh, like I said, the raw numbers look good, but I don't think the play itself was a material by any means. What did you right. think? And here's, here's kind of my breakdown of it. Very similar to what you thought. 
I, I looked back, right, just wanted to see what kind of throws were, were was Brock Purdy making. How did it all, all go out? Jesse broke down three of the throws. We'll give some context as well on those. But Brock Purdy had four throws today that were within five to six air yards, meaning they were within five yards. Um, the completion was made within five yards of the line of scrimmage. One of those four completions was a screen pass. And so that's that was where four throws come. But I'll, I'll, in addition to that, I do want to say I like the fact that Brock Purdy made two of those decisions. He faced pressure, was flushed in, into the pocket, but made the right decision, stepped up on two of those throws, and was able yeah. to fire hit his check down or hit the guy in the flat to make sure the ball got out. I like that out of Brock Purdy, but again, you need the context behind some of those shorter throws. Why was that decision made? Where is the ball going to figure out where the completion is? So I liked a, a certain aspect of Brock Purdy's short game today. Although it's important to note that four of his, I, I charted eight, so 50% of his completions for me um, came within the line, uh, near the line of scrimmage. So that's something to note. As for Brock Purdy and his good and bad throws, the, the one to CMC was on the money. It was a nice touch pass. This is something Brock Purdy has looked at, has done in the past, a good throw where he layered it over. Fred Warner, so CMC had gotten about probably, I'd say, five yards, three to five yards of distance between him and Fred Warner, who was chasing him on this route up the seam. Tashawn Gibson was the safety. He was trying to come in, but there was still good distance. If Purdy throws that ball to the inside a little bit uh, when throwing it, it's not a touchdown because Tashawn Gibson's going to be there. If he throws it, you know, if he throws it just short, Fred Warner's going to catch up because CMC is going to have to slow down. That's not going to be a touchdown. He hit him in stride over the shoulder. CMC made the catch, scored the rest for the touchdown. A nice 20 to 25-yard uh, throw there from Brock Purdy. As for the bad throws, though, the bad throws were really the lows of the lows. And that's why I I didn't say he was, you know, he was in my not-so-good group, but he wasn't, you know, a standout today. Because the first throw was to Charlie Warner. It was a throw on an outbreaking route near the sideline. Warner was appeared to be wide open, but Purdy facing pressure, one hopped it, and it was it was relatively, it was very short compared to where it was supposed to be. Bounced probably three to four yards in front of Warner on a 10-yard out route. And I looked at Jesse and we I asked him a couple of times on that throw, did did you think Purdy's arm got hit? Because I was I was genuinely questioning why that ball was short, but his arm didn't get hit on that throw. Um, it was just a short ball, and then the one after was a really questionable decision. He decided to throw a 50-50 ball to George Kittle, but D Drake Greenlaw had leverage on him, was in front of him, and the ball was thrown up in the air, uh, was up in the air too long, and Greenlaw was in perfect position to make the interception. A real questionable decision there from Brock Purdy. Um, that one I didn't like. As for the PI, now people view it in different ways because if you're able to generate a PI downfield, it's a positive play for the offense. However, yes. it's important to note that that's different from being a positive throw for the quarterback because it's more so the receiver doing the duty that allowed for the PI to occur. Brandon Ayuk was the uh, Brandon Ayuk was the receiver. He had burned Diamond Lenore, probably had two to three yards of separation. And if that ball is out in front, that's a good big completion, maybe even a touchdown, because this ball was deep down the field. Purdy, though, got a little too much uh, too much air under it, and that ball was probably a few yards short. Ayuk had to wait, and Lenore essentially came through and just tackled him. Uh, it was a clear, blatant P.I., but still the ball was well underthrown. 
again, positive play for the offense, not necessarily for the quarterback. And it's one of those questions where you wonder um, how, how tr- truly Purdy's arm strength currently is. Hasn't been necessarily signs of limitation so far, but that's a ball that you hope can get there on a hop right to Ayuk for the score because, you know, that's a ball where he beats him and it's a deep ball, and that's a, that's one that should be featured in this offense. So there were some good highs from Brock Purdy. I even like some of the things he did in the short game that boosts my grade for him, but there were some real lows for Purdy on a day for the quarterbacks, which was mainly, mainly positive. Okay, if you were giving him a grade, what would you give him? I said CC plus. I would go right there, probably in the C range uh, for Brock Purdy today. Yeah, and one thing I do want to note, though, as well, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, is I do like his feet are still very quick, you know, which you wouldn't expect that to go away. It's not like he had a, a leg injury or anything, but I do want to say you see that happen. You you see it happen where he's got to make a play in the pocket. That's why I said there was about five plays where potentially it was a sack. I only gave him three sacks because I thought the other two, he was just quick footed and got away and was able to step up. And and even though it was a short pass, the, the pass was quote unquote easy. The play was there to be made and, and he did a good job making that play. So I want to give him credit there as well. So not horrible by any means. It started out awful. It started, it did. It started out really, really bad, but he was able to turn it around in the middle. And then at the end, it kind of ended on a bad note as well with the fumble or sack or I don't, I don't know how people are calling it. I called it a fumble, yeah, it was a and fumble. It be, especially because that was during the move the ball period and they were unable to get a first down. It was on fourth down that they were going for. It was like fourth and inches and he dropped back to pass and was either sacked or fumbled. And so you can't let either of those happen on fourth down. Just take a risk. Like even if you throw it downfield and it gets intercepted where they were at was like, right in the, you know, close to the red zone, just outside the red zone. So it's like one of those things where the best decision is just throw it up for grabs. Who cares? You know what I mean? Don't take a sack in that situation. It's much like people get on Kirk Cousins when he short through it on fourth down against the Giants in the playoffs. That's one of those situations where throwing an interception would have been okay. Just throwing it up for grabs would have been okay because you had no other option there. So you can't take a sack or fumble which would have been even worse. And I had it down as a fumble because I thought the arm clearly came forward with no ball in it. So that was me. Yeah. All right. Defense Why don't you talk about it was one, two. Okay. All right. All right. So let's talk about Trey Lance. What you give me your thoughts on Trey Lance today. Trey Lance was the best quarterback on the field today. And um, that hasn't been, I haven't said that really too much. Um, he had a strong day one. That was the day where he, he, he excelled, but it's been inconsistent performances from Trey Lance. Up until these last two practices, had a good practice on what was yesterday on Sunday and then had a solid practice again today was the best quarterback completed eight of 10 passes. But there's context behind these throws that really makes what he him did stand out compared to what the other quarterbacks did, despite very similar statistics. So Lance, first, let's start with the down the incompletions for Lance. There were only two of them and they were justified. One of them was a miscommunication with Jordan Mason. Mason was running up the sideline. It seemed like Lance expected him to uh, pop back, run a curl route, or run some form of route like that. Well, Mason looked to run a wheel route. He kept running forward, didn't look back while Purdy threw that ball. That was an incompletion. The second one was when pressure was coming in in the move the ball period. I believe it was second down on this play um, to clarify. Yeah, so Lance, it was second down on this play. Pressure was coming in. 
threw the ball over the sideline. Jordan Nason was in the vicinity, but everybody on that play was guarded. Lance ends up throwing that ball out of bounds, ends up being his second incompletion. Apart from that, he was eight for eight. But it wasn't just short throws for Trey Lance today. Lance started off, um, well, he started off actually not as the first team, first quarterback to come with the second team. That was Darnold for the first time all uh, all session, but it didn't matter because they all had uh, equal reps anyway overall on the day. But Lance started off with two uh, completions. They were short. One was a check down to Troy from Magali, a short throw, but it was in a tight window. The second one was another check down. But then Lance started to heat up. After the first incompletion of Jordan Mason where it was the miscommunication, Lance had his one of his best throws of the day, hitting Chris Conley on a 20-yard out route, um, and this was with, with good anticipation. Conley hadn't even gone out of his break before Lance fired this ball, so when Conley looked up, it was a perfect ball as he was approaching the sideline, 20 yards, and this was important because Lance needed to make that uh, throw very quickly, understanding that there was a blitz coming from the from the weak side from George Odom. Made a good decision on that play, ends up making a good throw. After that, um, Lance had uh, you know a couple of short throws as well, but really found his stride with Ray Ray McLeod, hitting him first on a short crosser over the middle before finding him for 15 to 20 yards on an in-breaking route that was in tight coverage. A really, uh, it was a crisp ball from Trey Lance. That was a good play from him and uh, a good catch overall from Ray Ray McLeod. But really, Lance, he excelled in the move the ball period. And that was the best part because that was the end of practice. Lance kind of ended things off. And that was his kind of best portion, in my opinion, because that's really the true in-game situation. Lance started it off right with a hit to uh, Ray Ray McLeod, hit Ray Ray McLeod again. And then on his third throw, it was the throwaway. And his final throw, they simulated a third and 15. They bumped it back from third and six or third and eight to third and 15. And Lance hit Tay Martin on a 13-yard comeback route, allowing the 49ers to get into field goal range, where Jake Moody hit a 52-yarder. Really good throw from Trey Lance there. Another throw in a tight window. And it just marked a whole uh, a whole day of solid performance from Trey Lance, where he completed passes from the short range and the intermediate and long range. A good day overall for the backup quarterback. Yeah, he took one sack as well, so I definitely want to note that. Agreed. But you're you're right. I mean, that's the biggest context is 8 of 10, but the two really were like about as good at incompletions as you could have. You know, it's not like he was just had an awful throw to an open player or whatever. So uh, definitely want to point that out. I also want to point out one of the biggest pieces of context that I gave yesterday was I was surprised that nobody – and Ro, actually, I'm glad you're here, Rohan. I want to ask you this on, on camera because I was unable to really ask grant but when when they are doing practices without pads Correct. was yesterday unique because I, I was shocked normally you hear it reported is hey this quarterback took the qb1 snaps this quarterback took qb2 and you assume that that's okay first team offense first team defense second team offense or second team offense second team defense but really what's happening is players are rotating in and out like crazy on offense and defense. And I don't know if that was a yesterday thing. If it wasn't, I was surprised to never really hear that from anybody because to me, I think that's a big piece of context. When you hear, hey, Trey Lance is with the first team today instead of Brock Purdy, and then you see the stats come out, you really paint a picture in your head like, oh man, that wasn't a good day or that was a really good day. Your assumption is he's throwing to Debo and Ayuk and all these other, and that's not the case necessarily. So is that the way it normally is, or was that just a yesterday thing? 
this is normal. So this okay. is something I reported last year when I saw this for the first time. Yeah. Um, people don't understand that first team, second team, third team is just truly a moniker for the offensive line because there is a ton of rotation, and that was even present today. Now, yesterday might have been on the little more extreme end because I haven't seen necessarily that significant amount of volume towards the first string receivers with the second team, but this was a norm that I saw both last year and this year in that you'll see a lot of rotation because the 49ers really want to get different players into these different situations, you know, allow uh, some of the backup receivers to potentially get run against the top cornerbacks and things like that, because this is the, this is truly the only time where backups and starters can co coexist. When it comes to the season, it's the one strictly running with the ones, the two strictly running with the twos. And so this is something that I've seen uh, now for the second consecutive year. And you, you could even see that in a few examples today, but yeah, that is right. That is interesting because I personally, I reported it in on my YouTube streams last year, but people don't report that on Twitter. So mm. I know a lot of people, you yourself included, had assumptions that when first team, second team, and third stream reps came along, it was specifically that Lance is going to run with Ayuk and Debo with the first team, or Purdy's running with Ayuk and Debo, and then Lance will run with Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod. No, it's a, it's a it's a significant sprinkle, and that also last year, you know, uh, or even I'm sure the year before, you could see that, and so that was an interesting uh, interesting fact and something that has been happening for a while. Well, and I, the reason I bring it up again today on today's stream is that that it was not the case today. It was like it was it was normal where you get your three or four plays as a first team you huddle up after the plays over and the first team quote unquote stays on there now there are normal times where it's like hey packages change so a receiver may sub in and out or use check may sub in and out that type of stuff but today it was like first team versus first team second team versus second team for the most part outside of the the couple maybe hey this player came in or out for the most part it was more so concrete hey this is what it looks like so very different than yesterday so i, I just wanted to bring that up because i brought up that context yesterday and so i figured i should bring it up again today yeah and i would say yesterday was a little more of an outlier than i had seen in days past mm. with the amount of um uh, the amount of mixing and it might just be the 49ers wanted to get their top guys some more reps based on how pads are going to go uh, this week. And, you know, in a way, the rep count now decreases, as we'll report a little later on in the session. The rep count for top guys like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel is decreasing now because you don't see them running with the ones and the twos now. You're just seeing them specifically running with the ones in a way. And so some of the top rep counts, they'll decrease as it kind of structures now a little more with pads coming on. Now, for you Brandon Allen maniacs out there, we're not going to talk about Brandon Allen because there's not much to talk about. He only had four passes. He was one of four. I don't know why that dude's taking any reps from anybody. That's just me. But Rohan, why don't you talk to us about Sam Darnold? How was his day? Okay, I thought you were about to say Brandon Allen. I was like, you're really going to you're really going to pass the Brandon Allen to me. <laughs> no. Oh, thank God. But <laughs> Sam Darnold was an interesting one. Um, you know, his first throw of the day was a, was a tough throw. Um, one that was a little in a contested window, tried to hit Debo Samuel deep. Um, but Debo Samuel was just deeply contested, uh, by Quantrez Knight on this deep pass. Darnold also put a little too much air underneath it. Wouldn't have been complete likely though, had he, had he just thrown it, you know, uh, as powerfully as he could. Um, this ball was near the sideline, just broken up by Quantrez Knight. 
people said it could have been a near interception. I didn't see that personally. I didn't think that this was I uh I, I thought that, you know, it was just a regular pass breakup. But that was Darnold's first throw of the day. And it was interesting that he aired it out there because here are his following throws. Check down. Uh he got sacked on the play after through an incompletion to Tay Martin. This was his lone uh, miscommunication on the day too. Martin, it seemed like he was running a uh, a 10 to 15 yard curl. He ran uh, an end breaking route, Darnold threw it behind him, but then he hit Ronnie Bell over the middle. That was probably eight to 10 yards. After that, a five yard play to Ronnie Bell, a rollout that he hit Ronnie Bell on again, that was a little shorter of a gain, a sack, but then came Donald's best throw of the day, a hit to Ray Ray McLeod, about a 20-yard strike on an in-breaking route. Um, a great ball here that hit McLeod right in the hands. So a solid play there from Sam Donald. Wrapped it up with the, what do you call it, the move the ball session. And he hit, he first started off with a, a completion on third and five, you know. Um, he first hit, who's number five on this? Danny. I thought it was, was Danny it? Oh, Gray. Was I had Danny it down Gray. as Danny Gray. I, I, had it, I had it at six. So he hit Danny okay. Gray, actually, um, for a first down. A shorter pass, but it still moved the chains. Mm -hmm. And then he, on his last play, could have gotten sacked. Seemed like he ran out for a few before a field goal. So when you hear the throws, nothing like necessarily too exciting right from Sam Donald. But the big thing is nothing bad. Like the first throw you could maybe chart as a bad throw, but it was a 50-50 ball with Debo Samuel against Contrez Knight. Um, so you can maybe chart that as a bad ball, but the rest of the throws, you know, uh, his other incompletion on the day was a miscommunication. The rest of them, a mix of intermediate and short throws. Nothing bad, nothing necessarily too exciting, but a couple of darts that he hit on the money to a couple of players like Ray Ray McLeod was one of them, things like that. Yeah, so I also had two sacks, so total of six for eight. You know, I if I was grading him, I would put him... Is probably the second best quarterback of the day. I'd probably give him a B minus, maybe. You know, I mean, nothing. There was nothing spectacular, but it, it was fine. You know what I mean? There, no big standout. Oh my gosh, you got on your feet. We're celebrating, but also no, like, dude, what the f was that? You know what I mean? Right. I will note this though, and maybe you see it different, but I think his sacks are. I'll give an example. I think a couple of Brock Purdy sacks where it's like, dude, the defensive line just won. They got in quick. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think Sam Darnold's sacks are him holding on to the ball. There, those two, the sacks to me, I just feel like he's sitting back there, he's in camp mode, and he's like, I'm gonna throw, nope, gonna throw, nope. And he even does like the shoulder jerk, like he's about to go, and then he just holds onto the ball and takes a sack. So I I say that because this is something that we've seen from Sam Darnold in actual games. And I do think that it is translating a little bit on the field. Again, he's not turning the ball over. He's not fumbling. Those are all great things. But I do think as far as being decisive, sometimes that creeps up to bite him a little bit and he will get a sack because of it. That was my thoughts. I actually don't hate that take because on Sam Darnold's second sack, I didn't write enough on the first sack because I thought that that one was okay. You know, that one was a little uh, questionable. But on his second sack mm -hmm. of the day, here was the context that I involved. It was a long play. took a good amount of time. I didn't think people were open, but it was a play-action play, and that's something that got me thinking. Plays that take a little longer to develop, the play-action plays in this offense, I wonder how a quarterback like Sam Darnold would fare in it because his process might take a little longer. And that's something that maybe as we see camp continue and those play-action plays continue to be implemented, 
we see continue to reappear because Darnold got sacked here because he took too long, but it was a play action play on a play that takes a little while to develop as well. That's something that I will continue to keep an eye on. Won't say anything definitive right now, but that is a note that I did write that he did get sacked on a play that took too long and it was a play action pass. All right. So just to wrap things up on the quarterbacks, I had Trey Lance far and away the best quarterback today. I don't think it was particularly close. I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, I had Sam Darnold as the second best quarterback, and then Brock Purdy would have been third. Again, it's just one day. It's practice. I'm not saying the sky is falling, but I am going to tell you what I saw on that day. And today, that's the way that I break it down. What was your overall thoughts? I agree with you. Um, Trey Lance was far and away the best quarterback today. And I, I, I'm not saying that as a slight to the other quarterbacks. He was, no. this was one of his near perfect days and arguably his best day of training camp in his career. So it was a good day from Trey Lance overall. Sam Darnold, I had ranked as the second quarterback. Again, it was similar to some of his other days. He's been consistent, which I have to give to Sam Darnold because he's arguably been the most consistent of the bunch mm -hmm. in training camp. Nothing necessarily that wowed you, but nothing that you hated either from Sam Darnold. Similar to his mantra this offseason, I give him a B for his practice today. Brock Purdy, some ugly plays, some good stretches of play. Overall averages out, I give him a C as the third quarterback today. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's, uh, I think we got a super chat here. How does Lance mechanics look so far? I'll let you answer this one. Yeah, so I mean, we've heard now twice, right? One from Kyle Shanahan last week, uh, right as practices started, talking about Lance's mechanics, specifically pointing out his footwork. His base seems solid, and really that that was one of the big issues, right? You talk about the throwing motion, and that's that's something that has also improved, but it's also a part of the feet. How does Lance's feet look? They look better. Kyle Shanahan has mentioned it, and then John Lynch today in his presser mentioned it as well as the base and his footwork kind of copying what Kyle Shanahan said, the base in his footwork being some of the main improvements from Trey Lance as a quarterback, not as a person, but as a quarterback. I agree. I think his mechanics look a little better now, a little, a little more sound. It just, the entire motion looks fluid. His footwork is something I'll continue to look upon because one thing with Lance, not only am I looking for his performance to be consistent, but his mechanics to be consistent. But so far, I can't say I can complain. It's been a solid work, of, uh, a solid body of work for Trey Lance and his mechanics. His throwing motion seems solid. It seems quicker overall. His uh, mechanics seem pretty good, especially with his footwork as well. That's something we'll continue to watch. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's one thing is, you know, people, I, I, lo I love the offseason, but this was the thing that I, I heard repeatedly was, well, Kyle Shanahan doesn't think you can really get better mechanically. And, you know, once the bullets start flying, that's what you always hear. Once the bullets start flying, it's like, well, the bullets are flying and he seems to be mechanically pretty good. So I would say that he's learned in an offseason. And one thing I kept telling people was if quarterbacks couldn't get better mechanically in an offseason, then why even try? Why does every quarterback work with a specialist in the offseason to improve and tighten their mechanics? Every quarterback does it. Why would they waste their time, spend a ton of money if it didn't work? It clearly works. It has worked for Lance. Mechanically, he looks fine. Like there are no issues for me as far as what he looks like mechanically. So, and I think today, Everything was put together and, and certainly showed no doubt about it. So one guy that was not at practice, though, was Nick Bosa. 
And I don't know about you, Rohan, but for me, Nick Bosa was, my prediction was, hey, Sunday after practice, we're going to have an announcement. And I know with Shannon, or excuse me, Lynch having his press conference today before practice, a lot of people assumed, oh, that, that means Bosa is going to be signed. They're going to make the announcement. Really what happened was that was scheduled before training camp. So right. it wasn't to announce Bosa, unfortunately. But Bosa was not on the field. I know that Bosa is going to be in great shape. I'm not worried about that. But I'm surprised that he's not there. And now the longer this thing goes, let's say they, they finish up this week and they travel to Vegas and he's not there. Ooh, I do that's... start to get a little bit worried slightly because I know that Bosa is going to dig his heels in. He's not going to just be like, oh, okay, you want to give me less money up front? Let's do that. Like, give me the incentives. No, Bosa is going to drain the 49ers for every dime he can get in upfront money, especially. So the 49ers have to come correct. And I know that that is not something the 49ers are typically known to do. They, the upfront money, they, they're always fantastic about this. The overall contract sounds phenomenal, but after about two years, the 49ers have an out. The upfront, upfront money isn't as big as what it could have been, and they work that contract very well in their favor. That is not going to fly with Bosa, in my opinion. I would be shocked if it did, and I think that the longer this thing... Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Goes, we got to start to think about it, at least for me. I'm not worried yet. I'm not trying to hit the panic button. But definitely every day that we don't hear Bosa's name, start to pay attention because this thing might get ugly. It may not play out in the media, but behind the scenes, it, it could get a little ugly. So what are your thoughts on the Bosa situation? It's an interesting one because I'll be honest. I said prior to training camp, my day for Bosa to return was today. I thought that day one of padded practices would be the day that Nick Bosa yeah. came, signed his contract, was in the building. But then when I heard Kyle Shanahan yesterday saying, I have no updates on Nick Bosa, that meant, that made me question. And then obviously John Lynch clarified how it was. And today was the first day that I heard John Lynch say what he said in that he, he specifically said, I don't like Nick Bosa not being here. Um, he, he, he understood that Bosa has a meticulous excuse me, meticulous process and things like that. But he wants uh, Bosa to necessarily, you know, be at practice, be practicing with his teammates. And he understands that there's a balance, but you've also got to be, you know, you've got to be there in camp. Lynch pointed to himself. He said, even, even playing in year 13, he said he needed three weeks of training camp to get ready for the season. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about Bosa being ready and all necessarily just because of how hard he works and how he's probably still working right now. But it's an interesting case because I'm a guy, I'm a contract guy. I like I, I like evaluating contracts. I like um, going through the details of contracts. Bosa's is going to automatically be different than every other contract the 49ers have uh, negotiated. Even Trent's, right? People thought yeah. when Trent Williams was signed to win a massive deal that it was going to be extremely player-friendly. And, I mean, it is. But the 49ers had an out clause after three years where it made it a three-year, $60 million deal. Getting Trent Williams for $20 million is a steal compared to what the market is in general. This deal is going to be different. You've got to be able to you, – you're going to have to match uh, or even top the market at almost every single uh, high number. That's average annual value. You're probably going to have to pay him the most amount of money per year, even if that doesn't – that number really doesn't matter. You're going to have to probably pay him the most guarantees. You're probably going to have to pay him the most guarantees at signing and practical guarantees. And so when you mix in all of these numbers combined, topped with the fact that Bosa probably wants to hit free agency as soon as possible, which strikes the – do you want a four- or five-year deal compared uh, comparatively? All these factors, it's, it's tough to see Bosa caving at all, understanding – Remember, Joey Bosa was one of the lone uh, players to hold out for a significant portion during his rookie deal. He also you know, struck one of the biggest raises in terms of contracts when he got his contract. So at some point, 49ers will have to cave to Bosa, and I'm not necessarily blaming them. I'm sure if the 49ers cave, Bosa is going to ask for more in a way and you know, try and get the best deal possible. But I wonder when this agreement comes in place. At the moment, it seems like it's progressing but it doesn't seem necessarily like it's close which is that's kind of the more worrisome part rather than Bosa being in the building how close is this deal getting to be done because you want him there when the preseason starts you want him there for those joint practices because if it truly does take you know two to three weeks not only to because it's not a, it's not an individual sport it's a team sport getting back in the flow getting with your new teammates helping out guys like Drake Jackson you know there's so much that Bosa can do when he's here in the building 
you want those two to three weeks, so you're hoping he's here by the preseason, and even that's pushing it a little bit. Yeah, and and I'm on the record of saying, hey, Bosa not being there early on, I actually did think it was a good thing because it allowed guys like Drake Jackson to flourish. It's allowed guys like Barrett to come on strong today during the one-on-ones and just see really what does the depth look like behind him. You've got to basically scratch him in as the starter. You assume this isn't going to linger on in the season or anything like that. So early on, it's like, hey, this is actually a, a good thing here. Let these other guys play. See if you need to maybe go out and get a free agent defensive end. What does the landscape look like without Bosa and what's it going to look like behind him? So early on, I was like, yeah, good thing. Now I'm starting to get into the, okay, you know, I'm, I, I'm leaning either way. It's kind of in the middle, but if they go to Vegas and he's not signed, I'm going to start to say it's no longer a, a good thing or even in the middle. This is now a situation that's not necessarily ideal and hopefully they can figure this thing out quickly and, Again, I'm not going to hit the panic button, but I do start to get a little bit worried for sure. Uh, I third string. I I hate this because I feel like I've I've gotten you targeted in the last couple of shows that I've done. But man, a comment like this, bro. Like, if, if really is this the argument? So tr so did Brock Purdy have the best day on a day that you weren't there because he threw the the lone touchdown? Is that really the argument we're going to make? Like, I understand it if you prefer Brock Purdy. Obviously, everybody knows I prefer Trey Lance, but like, dude, come on. On a day like today is not, you can't make that argument. It's just non-existent. I'm sorry. Because he is also the only one that had multiple turnovers. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just, I don't know. I, I guess people are going to hear what they want to hear and they're going to say what they want to say and and come away with what they want to come away with. But um, he he was the worst of the three quarterbacks today. Like, there's no doubt about it. And I'll say this because I'm subjective. I don't care whether Brock Purdy starts. Don't care whether Trey Lance starts. If whoever the 49ers feel is best, that's going to be the decision. But between the two, right? I mean, I'm not even going to try and compare. If you're talking about touchdowns, the only point where I include touchdowns and statistics and it truly matters is in the red zone. That's the only area of the field where you're truly trying to get a touchdown or you're designing plays to get a touchdown, right? The, the touchdown to CMC, I'm counting it as a touchdown just because I believe that if it's in full speed, he he runs through and gets a touchdown. But it's it, it wasn't a touchdown if you if you count it, you know, if you're looking at the play, you could very well argue it wasn't a touchdown. You could argue, you know, that Deshaun Gibson or Fred Warner is running at a faster speed and gets to CMC before there. If it ends up at the one-yard line versus the touchdown, does that truly matter as to how that play goes? No. So I don't think the value of a touchdown matters that much, especially because the 49ers right now are not repping to go and score touchdowns. If they were, they'd be doing red zone every single day. They're installing different portions of their offense, and that's the important part to me. And so touchdowns don't matter. If you want to involve them when including red zone uh, and things like that, sure. But I think the most important thing when it comes to quarterbacks is the context behind the throws. What goes on in that decision? Was it a good decision? Where did the throw go? And things like that. It's the process. It's not the overall outcome. It's the process to see how these throws end up happening, what happens, so that we can take you through what truly goes down in, in, in camp, Because just like we do in our film breakdowns. Yeah, very well said. You're much nicer than I am, Rohan. Uh, Ink Talk TV says, I don't understand how Brock is a lock for QB1 after such a major injury. How much of this narrative is influenced by the Purdy people fan fueled? Uh, listen, I, I don't 
necessarily agree with it either. I, it's not like Brock's an established veteran, but the team has been pretty clear to this point. And, you know, one thing that, that pointed out on yesterday's show was it seems like every single time you can take, take this how you will. Every single time that they go to do their warmups, there's a clear pecking order. And when Brock Purdy wasn't there, it was Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, Brandon Allen. Now, maybe that means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. Brock Purdy is getting a bulk share of the snap. He's getting the lion's shares of the snap. And it's every time it's with the first team. He's it's it's him with the first team. Allen with the third team. If if Purdy's not there, I get I mean, third team, whether Purdy's there or not. And it's always Sam and Trey either rotating first team snaps when Brock's not there or second team snaps when Brock is there. So I think there's a clear pecking order. Regardless of why that's there, I don't know if it's fan fueled or whatever. I, I don't know the re, you know, I'm not, I can't say that, but I can say that throughout games, he did play very well. And, and that's always going to trump what you're seeing in practice. Now, I will say this I think it is a slim chance that Brock Purdy is not the starter week one. But if Brock Purdy, if, if Brock Purdy looked like today or the first day back, when he was two of nine and it continued to kind of be, uh, and maybe even a downward trend while Trey is looking like if Trey looked like today and was ascending and Brock Purdy looked like today and is on a downward trend, it might get interesting. It actually might get interesting because you have to remember, this is now a different Brock Purdy. This is not Brock Purdy last year. This is Brock Purdy this year coming off of an injury. So maybe the 49ers look at it and say, Hey, I don't know. I'm not saying the arm strength's not there. I don't know what's going on, but this is not the same guy that we thought was going to be plugged into the starting lineup based off of what we've seen. We're going to go a different direction. I don't think that's a likely scenario. I would give it a small percentage chance, but there is that possibility, although very, very small. What are your thoughts, Rohan? I agree with this. And I mean, it's tough, right? You it. I can understand the questioning behind immediately placing a guy as the top quarterback after coming back from a significant injury. But the 49ers have remained steadfast in their in their in their argument. They believe that there's only one quarterback on the roster who they feel comfortable with their in-game experience, even if it's a short amount to to put them ahead of the others in their specific offense, and that's Brock Purdy. The unfortunate reality is that Trey Lance has not had enough experience in this offense in games for him, for the 49ers to put him in that position. And Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold, right? He's a guy who has a ton of experience up and down, but he's also not as experienced in this offense. And so that's the that's the reasoning behind Brock being quarterback one. And the hope right now is that you continue to give him the most amount of reps, so that his rust eventually wears off and he gets to the form that he was pre-injury by the time week one comes because he'll have reps in the preseason, he'll have reps throughout training camp and the practices after preseason leading into training or leading into the beginning of the season. Now, do I think that Brock Purdy's lock for quarterback one extends throughout the entirety of the season? That's entirely up to how he plays. I think that that's the main thing. And the truth, the, the true nature of it is we got to see which quarterback can be consistent because that's been a, that's been a key issue with the 49ers and their quarterbacks and Trey Lance, honestly, in the past, the inconsistency that's been there. And so again, this is a very subjective uh, opinion, right? About, 
um, people understanding why Brock Purdy should be quarterback one, who should be, you know, who should be the favorite right now and things like that. But the 49ers, it's clear that they have an approach that they're going to continue on. And it's not necessarily due to the fans for sure. It's because of the, uh, what they believe inside the building. That's been pretty clear throughout the Kasha and hand regime. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Uh, NG 49 says in your eyes, who has a quicker release Trey or Brock Purdy? It's funny. It's funny that you say this because I was actually, so before I came to training camp, you, you're not going to see it in person. It's like impossible to see. But before I came to training camp, there was videos of like Sam and Trey throwing next to each other and they would like go to release at the same time or start their throwing motion. It was like Trey's mechanics have actually improved so much that he's ahead of Sam Darnold, in my opinion. And then when he's side by side with Purdy, it's to me, there's really no difference as far as how quickly they're getting it out. But it's it's funny because everybody wants to just like hone in on the mechanics of of quarterbacks. Now, all of a sudden, every you know, we're all experts on quarterback mechanics. Uh, I, listen, this I, I don't know if this was off the record with Croc. So I'm sorry, Croc, if, if I'm putting something out there that you don't want out there. But he made a comment. He zoomed in on on Purdy's throwing motion today when we were watching it. And he was showing me on his phone and he says, you know, it's interesting because Purdy, when he brings the ball back, is going pretty low. Right. If that was Trey Lance, it would be bad mechanics. I'm curious to see if anybody says it's bad mechanics from Purdy or if it's left alone. Of course, it's going to be left alone, and it should be left alone. It's not bad mechanics necessarily. Quarterbacks throw differently, and quarterback coaches teach differently. So, no, Purdy doesn't have bad mechanics, but I, I do get the feeling that if that was Trey, we would still say, oh, man, He's very loopy. You know, he's, he's got to tighten that up. He's coming way down here and he's got to come back around. No, and no, I, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So I, mean, I don't know who's like, faster. I'm just saying that they're in the same neighborhood now, which for Trey Lance mechanically is a good thing. That's all I'll say. And mechanics is interesting, right? I mean, again, it's, it's another thing where, like you said, different people prefer different ways of throwing the football and quicker release again. It's on different throws. The release will take longer sometimes for the deeper throws because of the different angle that you've got to throw it at, the different motion that some quarterbacks have. And so it, it truly depends on who, like what works for each person. Perhaps a quicker release than what they have for a guy like Sam Donald doesn't work as well. And so that's why each quarterback has found their throwing motion and tinkered their mechanics to adapt to what their current throwing motion is. So it's... That's a subjective topic, but I, I think they're all good right now mechanically with where they are at. Brother Bob has just started a whole new trend. Now everybody says pick a pickle at the end of their thing. It's so funny. How long of a leash does Brock Purdy get? Three get honestly, man, I do not want to even speculate on that. Again, I'm gonna throw this out and I've I've tried my best to say it. I'm I'm gonna say it again and I'll always say it when questions like this are asked. I know that in the community, I'm known as the the Trey Lance guy, right? I, I get that. I understand that. But I really do like Brock Purdy. And if Brock Purdy is the starter week one, the best thing for the 49ers to win a championship is that they get the number one seed. So if Brock Purdy starts week one, we've all got to root for him to play well. That's where we have to be. If, if we're fans and we want to see this team do well, we want him to play well. If he doesn't play well for any reason, there's so much context that goes into it. You know, again, we, we're talking about practice. And if a player is seven of 11, was that a good day or was that a bad day? Well, I mean, off a completion percentage, I'm sure it's fine. But what is the context? Maybe it was a great day. 
once we hear the context. Or maybe it was an awful day once we hear the context. This is the same thing if, if they start out, you know, three games. What is bad? Is it them losing? Are, are we going to strictly put all wins and losses on a quarterback? I don't think that's the way to look at it. Are they, is he struggling mightily, but the team is winning? Is he playing really good and the team is losing? Like all options are available here. I don't know. My personal opinion is, is whoever they go with, they're going to go with through, through injury, unless at some point the season is lost. And they're like, listen, we thought Brock Purdy was going to be our future quarterback. We're now damn near out of the playoff race or we're out of the playoff race. He's not looking good. We we've got this is really it. This is like our true final year with Trey before we got to make a decision. We've got to play him and figure out who he is. That to me is probably the only realistic scenario besides injury that we would see Trey Lance, in my opinion. Um, I agree. I mean, I think it's important, right? I don't think if if the leash is three games, I think that's too short. If you're yeah. truly committed to Brock Purdy, you've got to play it out through the rust. However, I agree with Jesse's point. And that the number one way to get to the Super Bowl is through the one seed. And if you look at the 49ers schedule, it's more back heavy than front heavy, which means you need to be, come out guns blazing and win those first few games. That's the perfect way for you to at least set yourself up for some leeway come the, re, uh, come the second half of the schedule. And I think the 49ers will allow Brock Purdy to try and get his groove back. If it's truly not working midseason, if it's one of those seasons like years past where the 49ers are hovering around 500 or likely below 500 when they absolutely shouldn't be, then you could envision a switch. But I think Kyle Shanahan's MO is to stick with his quarterbacks through those rough patches, understanding that he's got trust in them and also looking for them to continue to build with the remainder of the roster the San Francisco has. I think that same strategy applies here. Absolutely. Double B studio says Kyle Shanahan will start Purdy until the locker room thinks otherwise. And I think that's a great point. That is a piece that neither of us mentioned. If the locker room comes out and is like, listen, this ain't it. Then they'll make the switch. Also, I would assume, you know, unless, unless to quote John Lynch, they are convicted. Um, unless they have conviction that Purdy for sure is the guy and Kyle Shanahan's willing to stand up to everybody in that scenario. If the locker room has just made a clear shift and they're like, listen, this is just not, this isn't what we expected, then I could see a scenario like that as well. But I, I think, again, you know, it, it's something that if Brock Purdy starts, that we've really, we have to, they have to get off to a fast start. And we as fans, that's our number one job as fans. You know, who you prefer during this time of year, how you see players. That doesn't mean we can't be critical of players. I, I'm not saying that. Once a game is over, we can be critical or we can praise or we can do whatever. But when the game is being played, like that's the only that's your only job as a fan is to root for the product on the field. So whether that's Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Nick Mullins, Trey Lance, it doesn't matter who it is or whatever. You're rooting for that player because that is the product on the field. As soon as the game is done, critique away break down film, talk about it, give your opinions. But for that 60 minutes, that really is your only obligation as a fan is to root for the product on the field, regardless of who the quarterback is. So that's the way I see it. Uh, Mui yeah, says, no, Mui says, I get it's one day, but I've been following Brock, uh, but I've been following Brock Purdy is yet to have a good day. Am I wrong? Also, Purdy starting against Pitt Pittsburgh is best for Lance. Um, I don't, I wasn't there for the first two days. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how you spin two of nine into a good day. So I would let's say we agree there. I don't know how his second day was 
was it a good day? Was it a bad day? Was it average? How did you see it? So Purdy's first day was the two of nine day. I did provide context. I did back him up a little bit compared to, um, you know, obviously what the numbers indicate. I had him at two of seven with a few sacks, but um, still, two. Regardless, it's not a good day. It's not like a. It's not you can't consider that an A day or something like that. The second practice that Purdy threw out though was the closed practice, and he reportedly had a good practice in that one. Oh yeah. Again, it's tough for us to gauge our you know our analysis on other people's reports it's much better to see it firsthand especially when you've seen the disparity in reports um this offseason and then today was the the third day that we've seen purdy throw uh well the second day we've seen but the third day purdy actually threw in practice and it was a average rough day good day you know it's it's right in the middle it's an average day c for him so has he yet to have a good day I don't know if I can say that just because it sounded like that second practice where it was closed to fans, open only to the media, sounded like that one was a good day. But we can't really clarify there. The two that I've seen have been somewhat rough on day one and an average day on day two. Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't, I don't know if he's necessarily had a good day so far, but uh, that's where it's at now. Again, still very early in training camp. Purdy starting against Pittsburgh is best for Lance. I don't know what the context is there. Like, are you saying that if he starts against Pittsburgh, that maybe, you know, it's good for Lance because <laughs> what's up, Grant? Uh, it's there? it's good. Yeah, he just walked in. Um, it, it's good for Lance because Purdy won't play well, and so they'll bench him. Again, we talked about when Purdy might get benched. I don't see it coming after game one, that's for sure. So, you know, that's... I, I don't know. I don't know what the context is for sure. Um, Ink Talk TV says a benched Purdy will start a riot. I don't think it would. I don't think it would. If he gets benched, There'd there be would be a, a clear for reason. It if he got benched, exactly. yeah. And and he doesn't have the cachet that Jimmy has. If this was Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the injury, who's done a lot with this team, I do think. Yeah, I think this comment would be warranted. But if he gets benched there, there's going to be a reason for it. Like everybody will know why he's getting benched. There's not going to be a surprise. So, I mean, maybe there's some people in the fan base that doesn't want to see Trey Lance flourish. I guess they can riot, but as far as the team, the team's not going to riot at all. They'll know why it'll, it'll be obvious. It'll be very, very obvious. So, all right. One last thing before we cruise out of here, what are one or two things that you're looking for tomorrow? Rohan? Again, an intensified focus on those one-on-ones and also in-team drills. Looking at the offensive line, because that's one of the, you know, how how does it gel? How does Colton McKivitz continue? Can he build off a strong day? Quarterbacks-wise, Lance, two straight days he stacked up with consistency. Can he include a third? I'm not worried about Donald and his consistency at the moment, but Purdy. Can he bounce back? How does he look with the first team reps with really a true integration of everybody on the first team kind of in there? Drake Jackson, to me, that's another guy who I'm going to be looking for because every day that Nick Bosa is not out there, like Jesse mentioned earlier, it's a positive for Drake Jackson to prove that he can be the guy because he's the top defensive end. I hope Trent Williams is out there tomorrow. By the way, for those of you guys that didn't hear, Trent Williams did not practice today in team drills, only individuals. I hope he's out there tomorrow. Hopefully it improves the offensive line performance, and um, I'm excited to see that battle. Yeah, most definitely. I I would say for me, I want to see a tight end not named George Kittle do something. 
any of them, please, one of you step up and show. They've got like five of them on this team that are not named George Kittle, and not one of them is showing that they are good enough if George Kittle's out of the game. And George Kittle's going to miss games. If, If history is any indication, George Kittle misses games. So when that happens, who can you trust at the tight end position? None of them, to me, are stepping away and and pulling themselves away from the others. They're really not even flashing. It's not like, oh, well, he played, you know, one, this guy made a really good play and then it's kind of silent, like no tight end is flashing. And then today I would say I was a little disappointed in the running backs. CMC is, wow. (laughs) Let me just clear that up. CMC is so damn good in a practice situation, in person, you you can see the difference between CMC as an athlete versus everybody else. It's incredible. I thought Mitchell looked explosive, but it's not like he was breaking big chunk runs. And outside of that, I couldn't tell you how any of the days went for any of the other three or four running backs that are out there. So I want to see a running back start to step up, especially those those back three, you know, J.P. Mason, uh, Laybourne, and TDP, I want to see one of those guys start to do something in these practices, and I want to see a tight end not named George Kittle do anything. Can we get him to do anything? That would be great. I don't want to end the show on a negative thing. I watched a very few amount of the uh, one-on-one reps between tight ends and linebackers. Ross Dwelly did not have a great day on the two reps that I watched. One was a drop. One was just a, a PBU where he couldn't get separation, and Cam Latu had a drop. Those are the three reps. Or I watched one where Kittle beat Hufanga. Those are the four reps that I watched. Mui says, context, this is going back to his comment against Pittsburgh, is I don't think Brock Purdy's going to do well. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that would be good, quote-unquote, quote unquote, for Lance, but I think it's going to take more than one bad game yeah. for this thing to go south for Brock Purdy. So uh, I guess if he starts... Everybody loves to say stacking days. That's like the the thing of the offseason. If he starts stacking bad games, then yes, definitely. And I guess in order to, to stack bad days, you got to have a foundation. If that Pittsburgh game is the foundation, then sure. I guess in that sense, it, it, it's good for Lance and bad for Brock. But I think it's going to take more than one game for this situation to go awry. That being said, appreciate y'all. There was... Between the two channels, 660 plus strong for a big chunk of this string. Could not do it without you. Love y'all. Stay blessed. Be back tomorrow. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.